Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast. Where's the comic book problem? Shake the shit out of it. We're not dating at this episode at all. Oh, who knows we're using any of this shit? Like, I mean, <laughs> I just noticed you were recording. I'm like, oh. I just started recording in case we, we, ever, we ever loop into this or whatever. But, like, yeah, in fact, what will probably happen is we'll probably start the episode right where I said, who knows if we use any of this shit, and then we'll start continuing on. So, hey, and welcome to episode one. Don't never. You are doing that. I know, but I have Stop it in front of me. It. I'm very proud because I actually have it in front of me this time. But he keeps doing it. So, I know, like, I I'm know. just, I am. But that's the gag. I am an old guy, and there are no tricks that I can learn. I thought I was the old guy. Back in my day, you know, in the episode 20s. 20s, oh my god. The Roaring 20s. The Roaring 20s? 170 episodes ago. You know, it is funny, because everyone was like, oh, the 20s are back in style again. We'll have flappers and swing music, and they forgot about the pandemic and the the recession. (laughs) And the Great Depression. The Depression's the 30s. That's true. But we also... we, no, I we thought do it was it. in 29. Well, the crash. The still crash you had the 20s. roaring 20s. Yeah. Yeah, the roaring 20s. You just missed the part in the episode where I cut out myself sound like an idiot. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm the one who just <laughs> Leave it, it in. Leave it, it in. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it in. I'm on my second glass of wine. This is going to be a fun episode. Me! Oh, God. Oh, my. Okay. I don't know if we'll get as lovely as we did that one episode. By the no. way, I love that everyone was very professional and good when Ellen was on here. And now the next <laughs> week, everyone's like, We're celebrating my birthday. Yeah. We're celebrating Adam's birthday. That's what we're doing. Cheers to you, Adam. Happy birthday, Adam, buddy. We love you. Lay in a fake toast something. Just hold. Yeah. Hold up your hold up your joint. <laughs> <laughs> but the I'm last fine. time I, I smoked weed, I vaped it. I was try, uh, some friends had done something, and I saw I took an extra hit, and like I don't like in years. Mm-hmm. I got so high the world turned pink, <laughs> and I Ooh. thought I was going to die. And then I had a glass Ooh. of water, and I was fine. But I, <laughs> like seriously, like it was the world was pink, and I've never experienced that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually been. Hi, hi. Well, come out to California, bro. I have. Well, yeah, actually, I mean, the last I, time I, I mean, got high, high, high was actually with Brian. I got horrible cotton mouth, and I stopped. I stopped smoking for a oh, while. Oh, was that that party that. that like? Yeah, yeah I, I smoked <laughs> way too much. Yeah. Kind of like the party in this book. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, drinking games. Hold up, no. Wait, wait, you're jumping the gun way too fucking fast. Yeah, they don't even know who we are. B, Adam is the responsible one right now, so we're fucked. That's all I'm saying. Adam's the responsible one? Oh, God, we are fucked. (laughs) We are fucked. I'm sorry. Future Brian, when you edit this shit, I am sorry. Uh, this is going to be good times. I will be. But I look forward to the text messages that I get as future Brian is editing this. Oh my <laughs> Those are my favorite. Where he's like, He doesn't send them to me. I just spent, we just, I just cut out 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Um, anyway. Also, if, uh, if, if he gets the app to figure it out and you're listening, hi, Jason, I love you. <laughs> yes. Next time hey, I Jason, see him at work. What up? He'll, up, be very, he'll be very disappointed in me. Jason, if it makes you feel better, we're disappointed in him as well. But I'm ching. Um, anyway, it's hey. It's my birthday. It's you our birthday. Okay, uh, okay. So okay. we're going we're gonna to Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're going to do it. We're, we're doing <laughs> it. We're good. We're good. So uh, welcome to uh, Funny Books of Firewater Podcast. Uh, this week we are talking about how to talk to girls at parties, which on my copy of it says that it is from... The Neil Gaiman Library, although this Ooh. is an adaptation of one of his stories, Todd, something like that. Yeah, he had a book of short stories. He had a book of short stories, and so this was was done by uh, Gabriel Moon and Fabio Ba, or Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon. Ooh, this could be fun. Um, <laughs> look back, one of you, Brian. <laughs> I still. Well, I was back. looking at the back of the book, and it's small in there. I'm sorry, Adam. I keep you know. No, I, said, I, I still look back on a very fond memory of, was it two years ago, Todd, when you took me to see him for my birthday? Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we went and saw Neil Gaiman. Yeah, it was, it was at the Broadway uh, at Eccles. It was, it was very lovely. Yep. 
Uh, so, um, <laughs> this week announcing a, their candidacy as the governor of Utah for your right in vote, we have Mr. Todd. You know, the challenge is I'd be racing against the guy whose last name is Cox. Yeah. So do you want to vote? So if you're voting against a Cox, should I like change my name to something else? I mean, when you oh, have Dick and dicks. Bush, <laughs> I mean, Bush Cheney was Dick and Bush. And yeah. so that was like the holy trifecta. Yeah, but Trump Pence there. was TP and that didn't go anywhere. So see, but I'm already TP for Todd. So yeah, I could be the toilet paper to clean up after Cox. There you go. There you go. Not if they so swallow. that's why you should vote for me in Utah, man. <laughs> Mark my words. It's no golden escalator, but here we are. Oh my God. <laughs> and here we go. You don't need to know anything else. As the vice president of the United States of America, for your voting pleasure, we have Mr. Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? Vice President Adam. You can find me at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll be at the uh, adult shop next door waiting for... <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's a tangent, but so my, my old roommate in California, her boyfriend worked... Uh, his roommate was an uh, employee at a porn store, and so every so often that he would just bring home the porn they couldn't sell. Like It was in the bargain bin for 50 cents and it wouldn't sell. Mm. So they came over one day with a box of porn like in 40 year old virgin i'm upstairs reading comic books like i do and i just hear everyone start uproariously laughing so i go downstairs and they're watching this porno of a dude on a grassy knoll fucking an inflatable lion an inflatable nice. lion yeah so i was like oh i'm gonna go smoke and then never came back in i was afraid <laughs> what was the name of this movie i don't know i didn't stay i just saw this some google ugly- it no, I want to know if it was the Lion King. Is really I, what I want to know. I, anyway, you know, I it, it, it was the inspiration for Super Troopers. It's true. One of the few yeah. items of porn that I ever owned on disc that was actually given to me as a gift was mm-hmm. because they knew that I was a horror movie fan. It was a porn parody of the Blair Witch Project called the Bear Wench Project. Ooh, I've seen. <laughs> that. I've heard of that one actually. I know that one. Does I've it seen have it. the like? camera moving all over the place a little like bit but it's, it's far more brightly lit they shot this during the daytime <laughs> but when you when you stand in the corner and fall to the ground different things are happening apparently yeah. oh. I, I didn't make it that far into the movie because of the plot no other reasons don't think of anything else dirty no other reason just I, I actually we <laughs> do you remember nancy's dvd changer and well, oh my god that was one of my favorite things ever okay so I had this roommate uh, actually, in college. So we, well, talk, we talked about Tyson last week on the episode, didn't we? We did. This is the so same guy from last week, the guy on his mountain bike. This is the same guy. Right, for so those who've listened so he's involved with this. So I'll have a roommate we'll call Nancy because we called him Nancy. And he uh, came home one day and claiming he sold a spec script and he had a big TV and like a 200-disc DVD player, and a boombox with boom tubes on yeah, it. Yeah, okay, so this was... I, my personal sort of thing is, I didn't like the guy, but bought sure. the worst fucking stereo system. Like, if you're gonna spend that much money on something, at least consult me. I will at least help you out. Like, even my worst enemy, I still don't want them to buy a shitty stereo. Like, that's just... Sort right, of we later out. snooped in his room and saw the loan paperwork. But, yeah. with that being said, is he Also, he all- sold the spec script for way lower than market price for a script, but that's still a different issue as well. Right. So, but he had gone through and had filled it up with his DVDs and named it. And then Tyson came in and renamed all the DVDs porn parody versions, and he couldn't figure out how to change it. Yes. So every oh, time I, you he had told the story, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you wanted so to watch a movie, you had to think of what Tyson called the porn parody version of that. Right. I mean, shaving Ryan's private was pretty easy to figure <laughs> out. Yeah. But there was some in there. Is I like Tyson. You really have missed your calling in life. <laughs> <laughs> you can be the naughty version of Weird Al. Yes. Anyway, Vice President Adam, do you have anything else you want to say about your platform? Fists across America. There we go. Yes. And I, I present to you <laughs> the next I president of the Lena. United States, <laughs> Madam President Lena. Y'all are insane. <laughs> I just, That's like, why you're the leader. You subject <laughs> yourself to this every week. That's why you're the leader. So all I keep thinking is there's this line from 16 Candles from Anthony Michael Hall where he um, he's like, he's Farmer Teddy sitting in that car in the shop, in the, like the um, mm-hmm. auto shop or whatever at the high school. And he's sitting in this car next to Molly Ringwald. 
And she's like, so what is your deal? And he's like, you know, I'm kind of like their leader, you know, king of the dipshits. Would you be our queen of the dipshits? <laughs> I thought I was queen of the dipshits. <laughs> you yeah. two can fight it out. I mean, that's an Oval Office battle you guys can deal with. That you know, is not don't a fight seen, seen, I seen really know about. I thought I was a shit dipper. Maybe that's something different. That's and really that's bad hard. chewing tobacco. Oh, okay. That so, is gross. Anyway, I uh, yes, follow I'm that. I'm president. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're never going to get through this freaking. Episode. Did you know she we voluntarily hangs out? Forty-one with us? minutes and nothing. We talked about barely anything about this book. Um, hi everybody, I'm Lena. I'm uh, not an event manager anymore. I am officially Woo! in event sales, based out of the Denver, Colorado area. So woot woot. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Nice. Uh, and hi, I'm, uh, Brian. I, uh, sometimes try to drive this flying umbrella and, uh, as of this, my divorce is final. I should have my master's degree. Speaking of divorced from reality, <laughs> this week we read how to talk to girls at parties. I didn't steal that line from Adam at all. Is it, is it how not to talk to girls at parties? I don't even know if they're girls, to be honest with you, but we'll get into that. Oh, how so? Uh, I thought it was how not to talk to girls. No, no. it's how to talk to girls. It is. I was... How to. That completely changes how the story would have read. Not really. I'm just saying that. How to talk to girls at parties. Yeah, I totally thought it was how not to. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so can we, like, hurry up? Because I have, like, all the things that I want to talk about. All the things. Okay, Adam, do you have a cocktail? I do, yes. So this one is called Pretty as a Poem. Okay. Uh, You take a... Uh, cocktail shaker full of ice. You add one and a half ounces of brandy, one ounce of a vanilla liqueur, a half ounce of a pistachio liqueur, an egg white. You shake the shit out of it and you strain into a chilled cocktail glass. Okay, I'm going to be honest, Adam. Okay. And I, I think I speak for everyone here because I looked at everyone's screens. I don't think anyone heard a fucking thing you said because we're looking at what Clark put on your shoulder. Is that Swiss cheese? What is that? <laughs> I know everything. I'm like, yes, it is. Yeah, yes, for the win. Was, but Brian, you're so right because I missed everything. No, because I'm looking at it and I see you like getting close to your screen, looking at it, and I see Todd head tilted to the side like a confused puppy dog, like he does. And everyone's like, "Wait, what is that?" And it was, just, it was. I was like, "Is that cheese? That looks like cheese." Lana, do you have time for drinking game rules, or do you want to just jump yes, right into yes, it? Yes, yes, and I have one. Okay, what's what's your drinking mm-hmm. game? Rule? Okay, so my drinking game is no matter. Every time you see, I forget the main character's name, Uh but every time he's kind of like, just totally aside, you know, not paying attention to the crazy shit that some of these Mm -hmm. girls say, take a drink. Okay. Uh, Mr. Todd? Men are from Mars, girls are from Venus. Okay. Every single time you go in there and you realize that um, these girls are out of this world or foreign exchange students, you wonder how foreign they are. Mm-hmm. Take a drink. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with because that's where the alcohol is. Every time he ends up in the kitchen, <laughs> take a drink because you might need it. And Mr. Adam. Yeah. Uh, mine is pretty as a poem. Oh, no, that's a, that was the drink. Yeah. Uh, poetry reading, excuse me. Uh, every time they say the word poem or poetry. So, Lena, mm-hmm. you finished this book and I got a text message being like, that book was fucking weird. Was. And then I read the book <laughs> and I responded with, that book was fucking weird. <laughs> I have thoughts. And here's the other thing is I'm glad you told me that because then I read it a little bit beforehand. So I've had a little bit of time to mull it over. And like I tend to figure out these books a little bit more when I start describing them and discussing them with people who haven't read them and been like, okay, so this is what I think was happening, or this is what I think it is, or it might be this, or it might be that. And this is one of those books where I feel like there's a certain level of ambiguity to it mm-hmm. by design. I'm not gonna fault it for that. But there is some interpretations going along with it. But I'm very curious as to what your takes were because you were the first person to go, okay, that was fucking weird. It was fucking weird. Okay, yeah. so with that said, it mm-hmm. is Neil Gaiman weird. So if you mm-hmm. read any of his other stuff, this kind of falls fairly in line with everything else. Mm-hmm. I've read, um, I, I think it was called Neverwhere mm-hmm. uh, that he did. I did read um, Good Omens, I think was the name of mm-hmm. it. Good Omens is amazing. 
that they did the Amazon Prime mm-hmm. show on. Which is I, awesome. Yes. It was wonderful. I mean, the ending is different, but uh, the um, the book was amazing. So, like, if you like Neil Gaiman, you'll like this. It's really short read. It's really fast. Mm-hmm. But, I read it um, while pooping. Yeah. <laughs> As one does. But I... Uh, like, the, here's the whole thing that made me kind of go... Okay, was um, mm-hmm. he obviously? And I, I don't have the book next to me, so I'm sorry. I don't remember. I'll show you name. pages. The name, the main character's name. What is his name? Tweedledee. Oh. I don't remember. It's not that it really matters. The main, oh, the more, the one that can't talk to women. Yeah. Okay. So the, hold, like, good hold there for one second. For those of you who haven't read it, here's the basic gist of the book: is it's very cliche of like you have one guy who is Anne. kind of attractive. Dick him in. Yeah. Who can talk Vic's to girls? The man. And then the yeah, so Vic is a ladies' man. N is a non-ladies man. They go to a party and he can't talk to shit or he can't talk to women. And so then Vic disappears and N is left talking to these women. And all these women are fucking weird. And that's where the discussion is probably going to go off of. So yes. anyway, please, Lana, continue. So N d- doesn't know how to talk to women. And they're and and what's funny is when you start reading it, you think that they. It feels like it would be more of like a college or like late high school but they're Mm -hmm. 15 years old yeah so that when i read it when i realized how old they were again i was like oh this is even more strange than Mm -hmm. than anything um but he doesn't know how to talk to girls he shows up in these rooms with these you know doe-eyed looking women who just start talking absolute nonsense mm-hmm. and you can tell that like it feels a little like the beginning of rocky horror picture show where everyone you can kind of tell that they're not really from here and there's mm-hmm. something going on and, and rocky yeah like, like it's a little strange and he just is like huh she's really pretty and she's talking to me and it's like mm-hmm. did i miss something like I get that there are guys that don't know how to talk to women. I'm sh- I mean, I'm sure there are. I'm probably friends with a lot of men that, you know, only f- were friends with me because I didn't, you know. Here's the thing. Like the only way I've ever people. been able to talk to women is I naturally assume that they're not interested in me. I think the problem is, is that p- some people actually, like, I don't know. I just never assume that a woman wants, to, like, is, is flirting with me or interested in me, which mm-hmm. takes off all the pressure. So I'm perfectly fine talking to women, mainly out of complete self-deprecation. And, you know, it works, though. Good, good, well, good life advice right there. If it makes you feel better, I'm the same way with guys. Like, I literally yep. do not know if I'm being hit on until someone points out, dude, he's hitting on you. I'm like, he is? Yeah. Okay. Well, my, my philosophy has always been there's two types of dudes in the world. One where someone comes up and talk to them and they think, yeah, they want me. Like, that's, yeah, they think I'm super sexy. Or two, they go, oh, they probably need help with their homework. Like, I'm number two. Like, I always <laughs> assume they just need help with their homework. Like, that's yes. flat out how it is. Uh See, it's different the other way around because for me it was always... Because guys are fucking creepers, though. That's the problem. Guys well, are but, just and here's worse. the difference. And guys come, guys would, would come over and, and talk to me, and it was usually, not all the time, but usually it was, you have a real, your, your friend is really cute. Is she uh, dating someone? Is she, so I don't think too much about it. But the fact that these women, both the, like all three of these women that he ends up talking to are just like, they talk absolute nonsense yeah. for the entire conversation. It's not like it starts kind of like, okay. And then it moves into this like goofy. It's like immediately goofy. But then it, it was like when he left the room and the brun- the second brunette that he was talking to, that was, I mean, like real strange. Um, when he looked back in the room, it looked like she was somewhat normal talking to one of the other guys that were there. Were there other guys in there? I only ever saw women yeah. in the two guys. No, there were. There was there, but it looked like, and that was where it got really weird. It looked like they that there were other men that were there, and then they uh, their energy was sucked up and they disappeared. I mean, that's what it looked like to me. It felt like a Torchwood episode, honestly. Oh, like, okay. Um, it looked like they pulled their life source from because where is the freaking page? Um, uh, 51. Yeah. Well, 47, you see, you see like a bunch of dancing and a lot of like guys and, and girls are dragging the, dragging the guys upstairs. 
And then you mm-hmm. get into the like pages where she's going through the poem and it's the girl, like the guys and like the, the couple start making out and all of a sudden the men just kind of start vanishing and all you're left with is the, the woman standing there. So it looks like they're like sucking the life force out of these Oh, interesting. Men. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's on, how I read it. On so, 56, there's no guys left whatsoever in the whole place. It's all women. They're it's all women again. Yeah. So that's why I was like, you know, is that what they're trying to do? And then maybe Vic realized what was going on. That's when he ran down the stairs and he was like, we need to get the fuck out of here now. And so, and then seeing the um, main blonde chick, whatever her name, and I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names in these books, uh, that um, she just looked like. She was pissed. Yeah. all Dark Phoenix. They were not yeah, exactly. happy. Yeah. yeah. So it was, you know, it was very strange, but I just love the fact that it was like how to talk to girls at parties. And it's like, well, first off, you barely talked. The conversation was, uh, who I don't even know what the hell anything was going, like what was mm-hmm. being talked about. It was so strange. And then, the, then to realize again that they're only 50, they're both only 15 years old. And it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I took it from like a, a slightly more metaphorical sense where I talk it as like mm-hmm. these, these women were, they were sort of like alien to him. So they spoke as if they were aliens almost. It's like they were visiting the planet from another planet because in his mind, his lack of confidence with women, like he didn't have the wherewithal to really be able to talk to women. So they were this foreign entity to him. And then he meets the final girl who is more sort of like this iconic Grecian goddess and speaks in poetry. And like, he's the woman he puts on a pedestal and he's what like he, theoretically would like to try to talk to her and reach that level, but he, he just doesn't have it. And then his friend ends up coming and pulling him out of it. The weird thing about the friend thing that I wonder is it's, it's, it's the, it's the moment where the friend is like, have you ever had that moment where you realize like basically there was a line. And if you got past that line, you'd always be a person who broke that. It was, almost, it was sort of like a commentary on virginity, but like you weren't entirely certain what that was. And in a typical cliche thing, because this this plays off those cliches, like it starts off with like that 1980s, you know, comedy of like the two guys going to a party or whatever. And then it gets to that point. I'm like, it almost felt like the guy who supposedly has it all together, knows how to talk to women, obviously really doesn't know how to talk to women. Like it was sort of like that kind of thing. Or like Mm. he, he knows how to talk to women to a point, but doesn't know how to follow through. Like he's confident and talking to them and maybe making out with them, but going past that, he's uncomfortable or whatever, but he's not self-aware enough to know why he's comfortable with that. Like, that's what it felt like. Cause I was like, half of it, I was reading. I'm like, is this literally like they're talking to alien people and these crazy women from, you know, like Greek poems, or is this a metaphor for how he's interpreting the evening per se? You know what I mean? So, like, so basic. Sorry, what? Can it be both? It 100% could be. The thing I think is interesting is I, in my reading of it, did not notice the other men at the party at all. Didn't notice uh-huh. it. Um, so going by your theory, it might be a thing as as he gains more confidence talking to women, the other men start to dis- disappear and you know dissipate. And maybe he gets more confidence. He's not worried about other men as much. Maybe it's sort of like his ego is being built down because his buddy is so good at talking to women that that sort of makes him uncomfortable with it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like it's just one of those things where like I think it, the the weird thing about this book is because of how uh, open ended and and sort of slightly odd is there is a lot of room for interpretation to it. Well, well, Adam, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't know. So you know, before I read it, because I was waiting until I had to go poo. Uh, <laughs> you know, everyone was well, testing, about like, the details, right? Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can describe the poo as well if you want. Explosion uh, two. <laughs> Technically, yes, because I I'd had some Mad Dog the night before. Um, <laughs> so no, I yeah, you you all kind of said how weird it was, and so you know I was I, I read it kind of in that sense that oh this is going to be Neil Gaming kind of weird, which I like. You know, American Gods is in my top five books of all time. I wasn't prepared for how weird it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, there's and, and I think I do want to go back and, and read it again because I, I did really like it. I mean the. The only thing that really off put me the whole time was like, like the, the two main guys, like they're, yeah, they're 15. They don't look 15. And that really weirded me out. The fact that you've got these kids drawn like college students, mm. hitting up like, what looks like college girls at a party. And like, I guess they stole alcohol from their parents' house. Cause we all did that, but me, because I'm a good Christian woman. And, uh, Ryan and I didn't either. <laughs> yeah, I actually, but, I actually, Adam, that's what they do with every TV show now. Think about it. Dawson, even Dawson's Creek, they were tw- they were in their twenties playing oh, yeah. fifteen year olds. 
No, it's pretty common. Oh, no, like, I know. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, everyone from Buffy was in their 40s. Yeah. Uh, but only some of them. Yeah, I think, who's the guy who played Spike? He was like literally 40 years old when he did that part. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that was kind of weird. I was, I, cause you kind of go into this preconceived notion. And maybe that was kind of a, the point was because they're going to that party. You have this preconceived notion of or what it's going to be about. It's going to be about, like we said, the one guy can sweet talk girls. He can get with them, whatever else he wants to do. The other one says, oh, I can't talk to girls. And then they go there and every single thing you think you know what's going to happen doesn't. Because mm-hmm. you get there and like, oh, she's a little bit weird. Maybe she's just kind of, you know, soft-spoken. Or maybe she's an introvert or who knows what it is. Or maybe she's high. You know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's uh, these people like, okay, so they're, they're alien. They're, they're like basically primal forces, you know, because they've lived on the sun. They come to Earth and they take on human flesh and they're learning. So they're trying to learn about the universe, essentially. Everything you thought was going to happen doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. the guy who's good with girls doesn't get with the girl or turns into a dark phoenix because he got off and couldn't make her come. I don't know. Maybe that's why she's mm-hmm. pissed at him. And that was my joke from earlier. I didn't get to use. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you're far off, Adam. Yeah, probably not. That's what it could be. And then the main character, he's kind of learns how to talk to girls or at least have a basic conversation with them. Or maybe the guy who went up with the girl couldn't get it up or do it because he was too intimidated. That's why he was so freaked out at the end. There's, there's a lot of interpretation you can put into this. And it's kind of one of those cool things where th- I don't think there really is a right answer. I mean, we, no. when we dug into yeah. uh, uh, day tripper, there was a lot of really cool stuff that could tie into it. And again, there was no right answer for that. Is this as good as day tripper? No, you know, as far as puberty or, you know, that first experience with a girl or a guy, or whatever else, or having the inability to have that confidence to talk to someone of, whatever gender you're into. I mean, that's something that could really hit home with people of all ages. I mean, even, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, people my age who I don't get when people are flirting with me, like the, the butcher at one of my local grocery stores, every time he saw me, he would like, I'd be like, Hey, I want a pound of ground beef. And he'd be like, Oh, I accidentally added an extra half pound. And didn't charge you. Sorry. I was uh, like, Oh, thanks dude. Meat, baby. Yeah. I know exactly. And like he, every single time he would do it. And like, I'd be like, Oh, thanks dude. That's awesome. To do and Clark's like he's hitting on you. I'm like, no, he's not. He just gave me some extra meat for. Oh, I see what he's doing. Some extra meat for some of your extra meat. Yeah, Yeah. he'd be disappointed. Um, So, (laughs) but there's just there's a lot going on here, and I don't know if the whole point, like you were saying, Brian, was that he got his confidence, and we start he stopped noticing guys around him, or these creatures were feeding off the humans and devouring all the men. To which I say to them, like, from the me, I'm like, oh, good for her. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. It was interesting and weird and kind of creepy with the whole, like, almost Stepford Wives thing going on. With the yeah, way Stepford Wives acting. is definitely something I picked up on a lot, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, and maybe it was a whole thing about how people think, you know, women are supposed to look and act. And then it's really like, oh, wait, no, that's, they are unique creatures. They are, I guess you can go say, with women as far as being able to give birth, like, they do become goddesses of creation at certain points in time. And maybe that's reaching, I don't know, but it just, I liked that there was this weird story going on. I liked that they were all, you know, like I said, one of them was the universe, you mm-hmm. know, maybe gave birth to everyone. So I, I it was weird. It was kind of creepy. It was something unlike anything I've ever read. I mm-hmm. can say that it was definitely unique and I, I really liked it. I, I still don't know what the fuck's really going on, <laughs> but I'm sure there's someone with a with a, a blog somewhere that will tell me whatever I think is about it is wrong, and will call, also call me a faggot on Call of Duty. So maybe I'll go listen to that. Yeah, no. don't listen to that fucker. Uh, but Todd, you were the one who recommended this. I did. So I'm curious as to what your your angle on this was in order for you to recommend it. For one thing, is so is this book ambiguous? Yes. Oh yeah, fuck so yeah. are people's interpretations of it reflections of what they're seeing? Yeah, I learned so much about the three of you. Oh yeah, no, and I, I realized that <laughs> as I read this, I'm like, everyone's perspective. I'm like, okay, I see what's going on here. Yeah, you know, you know, this is slice of life month. And I also have to say, just on that same thought press before you go very far, I'm a little afraid of Lana seeing um, the women sucking all the life force out of men. I'm just a little. I'm a little Dude, nervous I've about you I've learned so, so much wait, about wait. you people. So here's, here's the whole thing. It's funny. There was an episode of, and I don't know if anybody's watched Torchwood. I'm like, I'm obsessed with, with British 
all things British. Anyway, and um, I've watched every episode, even the not so great seasons of Torchwood that used mm-hmm. to be on BBC. And um, there is an episode of this this being that came down and basically took over this woman's body. And the only way for her to stay alive was she was like basically in heat, like this this be this like spirit being whatever was in heat, and she would just go after any go man. On. Mm. And as soon as she like she would get with them, they they would start making out. She like dragged the first guy, and this is when you realize something was going on. She dragged this first guy into this bathroom at a at a club, started banging him, and as soon as he came, she he like she sucked all of his life force into her into her and he was just le- he was left as like a pile of dust on the oh, floor. Oh, so of the is mine. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was the first thing that I thought of when I when I read this because you're seeing this like this poem being read and these women dragging these men in in, in all these different places and and then all of a sudden they're making out and the men just start to like disappear from the from the panel and so and then you're right Adam after after the rest of it like there were no other men and there were men and then there were no men so um that's why I thought it that way but with that said um there have been plenty of men who have basically you know taken a lot of my own life force um in a not a very fun way so it's you know it's it's uh I like the idea of women being powerful, but mm-hmm. I do also hate the fact that it ends up being extremely sexual. And that's like the only way women seem to be like to have that power over men is to still be like, they're super pretty. And, and they're apparently they're all gorgeous. Like that was the one thing that, that you see with across the board is they're all beautiful, but they all talk nonsense Mm-hmm. And men are so stupid that they don't care because they're beautiful and they know they're going to get laid. So it's like I mean, they're <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, you know. Well, and also it makes you feel better. I've had many men steal my life force from me, so. <laughs> and hence why I was like, good for her. <laughs> <laughs> so Tell sorry more about all of you. <laughs> so as I'm reading this, is it was a. Uh, slice of life month i mean we've done giant days we did day tripper which was a bit weird giant daves was a delight and then we've got another one next we'll talk about here next time but what i really dug about the how to talk to girls at parties is the um the metaphor of what you wanted to be so the way i read it is you've got this guy being dragged by his friend and his friend is the confident one, and yet the friend is dragging him along because that other friend's not so confident as he's portraying to be. Mm-hmm. So, but he's now getting to this party, and he's not seeing the guys; he's seeing the girls, and he desperately wants to talk to girls. And it's almost like you know, in Peanuts, when the teachers are talking, it's just <laughs> wah, 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 wah. as he's captivated. And he wants to understand, but it, what they're saying is just his brain's not getting that far. So mm-hmm. it might as well be nonsense. And as he goes from one to one, he's like, uh, I don't know what I'd do. I'm going to go get a drink. And he goes in there and he gets a drink. And then he briefly talks to a person, but he gets distracted, goes somewhere else. And he is, um, again, trying to, there is something he wants to uh, decipher and understand and he never can. Right? It could be. But he'd never quite understand. He's absolutely intrigued. And he looks around and everyone, all the girls are incredibly different. But they're all incredibly intriguing in their own right. And just completely beyond him. And then when his friend says, dude, it's time to go. Did he indeed be selfish and not return the favor or unable to do anything or chicken out? You don't really know. And the guy goes, this was the wrong party anyways. Mm -hmm. And even with that statement, this wasn't the party I thought it was going to be. Isn't that always the case, though, when you're going to those kinds of parties? Like, dude, we're going to a party. And you go to the party. like, well, what are you hoping to do? Uh, You know, talk to girls. We'll see what happens. And does something happen or not? And it's what actually happens, what he perceived was fantastical. 
but the experience in and of itself of his actions and how he behaved is extremely mundane and expected. Well, and as you're describing this, I, I like your take on this because also as I'm drinking more and more of the bottle of wine than I intended, um, sure, and drinking through this, I'm starting to realize that maybe the focus is not talking to girls. Maybe it's an exploration of the experience of talking to girls while getting increasingly more drunk at a party. Because that's sort of what's sure. trying to make sense. Because like every time he goes and talks to different girls, he's gone to the bar and then come back. Or gone and got drink. and so it's like, there is sort of is this, like, because right now, like, the, the talking to the girl, and she doesn't make any sense. I'm having some flashbacks to a few nights in bars going, like, I don't know what the fuck you're saying. Like, I just don't understand. Like, talking to a girl. Well, and then she'll be anything, yeah. Yeah, you're, like, randomly on, be like, and you think you're following, and then you're not. They jump in halfway through the conversation, and you kind of, like, make this weird leaps. And then eventually kind of get to that, like, the drunky lovey po- point where she's a Greece, uh, Grecian goddess. You know what I mean? Right. And maybe that's sure. where that. And so maybe the fact that his friend drags him out of the room is maybe just because he's just so fucking drunk. He just, he's so passive. There's time to go. Just, Let's get out of so, here. Yeah, yeah so but like, didn't start- he, he only made one drink though, remember? Because the first time we went in the kitchen, he only had like a Diet Coke or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he just had a Coke the first time. Oh, interesting. Good point. So, so I don't know. He, had, that. he went, he kept going back to the kitchen, but he wasn't mm-hmm. constantly drinking. He got pulled away every yeah. time he wanted. He, drank, he got like, pulled away. Okay, then my theory is oh, okay. wrong, but it's interesting. But what's interesting, you take a look at the actions of the main character and very mundane actions. Yeah. And his things right here is like, I absolutely, the surroundings and what he's perceiving is fantastical, but is he just trying to make sense of something he's desperately wanting to understand, but he doesn't? And he's go- is he just going through the motions? It's much more than just going through the motions. But you have this guy going, and then he'll go, how was the party? And he'll be like, that was, um, he's like, I don't know how I feel about that. Did he have a good time? I'm not even sure he had a good time. Yeah. But watching it is he is the, um, yeah, it's, you, you've got this guy, very mundane things. I, I sat, I talked to a few people. I wallflowered a bit. I tried to engage. I never felt like I successfully engaged in anything. And then my Either friend pulled Vic. me away. Neither did Vic. And so, and that was his perception of things. And is he drunk? Is he high? Is he just flabbergasted at the opposite sex? These are all things that could absolutely be true. And I mean, you're 15, hormones are at an 11 right now, and you're uh, nervous as hell. And we all are, no matter how confident we want to think we are at times. I never am, right? No, no one's. So, here's the thing there's a, something about no becoming an adult where A, you realize the parties suck. And yep. you're never going to be confident, and you're never going to feel like you know what the fuck's going on. That's becoming right. an adult, just realizing, like, I don't know. Like, like, it's like, I don't know, I really just want to sit inside in pajamas and watch Netflix. That's what I want to do. That's, mm-hmm. that's where becoming an adult happens, is at that point. And before then, you're kind of just kidding yourself about shit. Sure. Also, becoming an adult is when you discover Charmin Ultra Strong. Is that the best toilet paper on Earth? When you have One a conversation on a podcast about which toilet paper you prefer, that's when you're an adult. Yeah, I'm 40 well, now, so... I know exactly right. 40! This is 40, Adam. So, reading this, and I'm like, it's totally slice of life for me. Yeah. And I think it totally fits, and it's bizarre Neil Gaiman in all the best ways. But they lifted this from a short story. Mm-hmm. So, one, I haven't read Neil Gaiman's short story. I'd be very curious to compare. Mm-hmm. What it's online. The, sure, but what did Gabriel and Fabio do to it? Versus just the written word versus what was drawn. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be very um, interesting as a compare and contrast for how much this is. Because that pairing is weird. We read Day Tripper. And you're yeah. like, wow. So you've got that going on there. But as a slice of life, is this a slice of life of a 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid going to a party feeling incredibly out of their depth? Mm-hmm. Absolutely it is. And I think it's great. And it's got this, um, and in some ways, it's got the Neil Gaiman poetic lyricalness all woven in through and throughout it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's um, it's a reflection upon yourself how you see it, but I think it's fantastic for what it's set out to be. I think there's that. I think there's also a reflection on who you were as a younger person trying to enter the dating world, whatever that age range was. You know what I mean? See, and what's even interesting with this, I mean, I'm a occasionally someone will ask me dating advice and I look at them and I'm like, you're asking the wrong fucking guy. I married my high school girlfriend. I don't know. 
Well, I, here's the thing. When it comes to dating advice, I think no one fucking knows. Like, now that I'm divorced, I can say this. Not that it really has anything to do with it. But, like, when people yeah, get married, uh-huh. I do not offer wedding advice unless people ask for it. Because what ended up happening to me a lot is people would tell me things and there were yeah. way more of a glimpse into their life than they wanted. For the plus and minus, you know what I mean? Like, some oh, people yeah. would be like, oh, you should do the same thing we did for getting married. And I'm like, look, man, I am glad that you were happy with your wedding. And I'm glad that spoke to you as a couple, but that wasn't the right thing for me. But I also had people be like, I've been married for five years and here's my advice. Don't do it. And you're like, everything okay at home, buddy? Like, you know, everything nope. all right? Yeah. Nope. So it, there's like, sometimes when people give you advice and like that shit, they're telling way more about themselves. And I think there's, there's what was my advice. I don't think you told me a damn thing. Did you wear a condom? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I remember, I remember advice from like some older couples and then some like, right. Like, I never remember advice from people who I genuinely knew and respected. You know what I mean? You know, here are the idiotic advice, like, always argue naked. I hadn't heard that one, but that's brilliant. I've heard that one, too, yeah. Oh, that's good. It doesn't work? It gets interesting. I mean, angry (laughs) fucking is one kind of thing that only goes so far. Here's the thing. I don't know if that's funnier or weirder for me because I've known you and Amy for as long as I fucking have. (laughs) That's just Anyway, right. and it gets like, even stranger if you have like kids around and they say always argue naked and you're like interesting so. so when mommies and daddies are mad at each other they go into a room they take off all their clothes and they yell at each other <laughs> and so then you see a couple like you hear that advice and they have like six kids and like you two must be pissed a lot yeah you just fight a lot <laughs> <laughs> or there's lots of asian twins yeah dude those come with a hefty fee though not a lot of people are prepared to pay that so there I am on it, and that's why I think this fits in Slice of Life, because it's the uh, experiences of a young man and how he perceived it. Agreed. I think very easily we could have done it in, like, a coming-of-age month as well, which might not be a bad sure. one as well. But I mean, yeah, that fits there, too. But So you could do Elmer in coming-of-age. That'd be weird. A, we've done Elmer. B, that is the worst <laughs> coming-of-age I've ever thought of in my entire life. <laughs> so... Um, did you know that this was made into a movie? Oh, yeah. I did know that, actually. It's, it's oh, like on Amazon or something like that, right? Yes. So it is starring... So I looked it up because I was like, what the hell? Um, Isn't like Elle Fanning in it or something like that? Yes. Yeah, Elle Fanning and Alex Sharp. I don't know who he is. But John Cameron Mitchell is the one that directed it. That's really? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I see. Uh, for those of you at home who don't know, he's the guy who did Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yes. He was the original Hedwig. So and he, then directed the film version as well. He directed it, and he did the Did screen. you just he gag was... at Hedwig and the Angry Inch? I did. I've never Fuck you, sir. I love that show. I know you do. Oh, my oh, God. So good. Okay. Oh, um, wow, we're going to have words, sir. So Philippa Goslett and John Cameron Mitchell are the ones that wrote it at, with uh, somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, are and well, and they put they and it's and they said Neil Gaiman was one of the writers because it's based on on the sh- on his short yeah. story. So now I kind of want to watch it even more because I didn't realize it was John Cameron Mitchell. But yeah, the premise is an alien touring the galaxy breaks away from her group and meets two young inhabitants of the most dangerous place in the universe, the London suburb of. So they definitely went with the alien side of life. <laughs> Sure. And I like to be far less literal, but okay, whatever. Um, but with that said, as I'm reading it, one of the things, so it didn't get very good reviews, apparently. It's not no, it's hor- apparently horrible, so. Um, but what, one of the things, because it's got like Ruth Wilson, who is in The Affair. Um, She's and- awesome. I loved her in Luther. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I she loved actually, her in Luther. She is in my favorite adaptation of Jane Eyre as well, where she plays Jane Eyre. She's okay. wonderful. So um, Rotten Tomatoes, it only got like a 47%. But one of the things that that it has here that it said, uh, that the movie um, sacrifices the narrative cohesion and overcomplicates Neil Gaiman's 18-page story. Um, they think that it was that it had a good premise, but the execution just wasn't very good. Mm. So, um, and it yeah, went very. Yeah. It was very. It's set in the seventies. It's very like punk heavy kind of life thing or whatever. But I, um, I'm now interested because I didn't even realize this was a movie. So um, I'm interested to see how shitty this is because it's yeah. 
I mean, the short story itself is actually online, and I was just reading through it as you guys were talking, mm-hmm. and literally, Neil wrote the dialogue. Like he wrote every, so it like it's it's identical to what we read in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the things I think are a little different because obviously they showed it with the drawing rather than yeah. than the, the descriptions, but um, the. Um, I just can't believe they turned this that they but they got the rights for it in 20, 2015 and then in twenty seventeen they released it and it released it, its world premiere was at the Cannes Film Festival as it is so, yeah so oh. um and it's not even like uh, oh the critics didn't like it but other people did no it's just it's like bad all the way around which is That's a little upsetting yeah um but it it looks a little. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's a little too literal. Uh, That's, that would be my complaint because mm-hmm. I kind of like the ambiguity of it and the interpretation of it I and love all that kind of stuff. Like, think of that's part of what the power of the story is. And I wonder if sure. it would have been a better, like, to say, like, TV movie or something where it would have been. Or one act play, know. maybe, or something yeah, like that. I, if you wanted to do something where it'd be performed, it just seems like you could. I think the part way of it that is they went with this was a little strange. They tried to turn it into a love story. Well, and I think part of the what, what what gives it power is sort of that um, presentational awkwardness, and so like it almost would do better on stage in that respect mm. because like there is a certain amount of um, artistic license given and interpretation given to the audience. It's very presentational of an idea. It's not necessarily like spelling it out for you. It's sort of like giving you these ideas and letting you sort of fill in the blanks however you see fit. Yeah, and I think that's. Mm-hmm. That's part of the reason why I don't like movie musicals. I feel like movie musicals in general take a piece of art that's performed on a artistic piece of like set and artistic costume. So it's like a piece of art performed within a piece of art. And I feel like taking that piece of art and placing it in a real world environment, I think takes away the power of the form. And just, I really don't like musicals like movie musicals. Cause I feel like, like, Moulin Rouge being the exception because it's a heightened reality and it sort of works. You know what I mean? And I like the old, like... Okay, well, first uh, off, Moulin Rouge was a movie musical, but it wasn't a musical that they then turned into... Correct. I will agree with that. But I'm saying just in general, like... But... Like, be, most but modern ones I don't said, like. Yeah. The adaptation that they put on stage was horrible. So yeah. you're probably correct in that. But there, there have been... You say Moulin mm. Rouge. I would actually say Chicago would be a better yeah, I was adaptation. Chicago. Well, but Chicago also has a heightened reality, though. Like that, my problem is stuff like I'm trying to think of a good example, like uh, Les Mis, where they tried to make it too realistic and too period, and it's like, okay, well, wait, that's also really... I'm thinking Rent. When you look, when you go, yeah, to oh, like Chris Columbus and Rent. Yeah. Oh my god. It's, well, but I don't like Into the Woods. See, yeah, same thing. But yeah. seeing yeah, Rent on like stage, it. they're 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 on scaffolding. Yeah. Everything is your imagination. There's yeah. nothing. It's really them and a bunch of scaffolding behind them. And then when you see the movie, they're put into a real place. They're put into yeah. a real thing. And it just, it loses. I, it undercuts it, in my opinion. Like, yeah. it just loses. Like, and so, like, I feel like old musicals work because their sets are naturally heightened because of the medium. Like, Singing in the Rain. That's not an actual, I mean, that's a movie set. Obviously a movie set. And that's why it still works. You know what I mean? And, you know, Some Brothers, Some Brothers, and... Um, uh, Music Man and all that shit. Like, that was old Hollywood shit. You know what I mean? Oh, and I, I love all of those. Don't get me wrong. I mean, as I've said many, many times before, gay by culture, straight by sexual orientation. But Dude, um, I love Paint Your Wagon. Paint Your Wagon's pretty bitching, too. Yeah, no, for Dude, sure. It's I love I like Painting Wagons, too. But Brian, I will agree. I, I will... Oh, my gosh. I will agree <laughs> <laughs> It's the delayed reactions that love. I love, but they're a pain in the ass to edit because you're like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? <laughs> um, Adam, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, but, but Brian, I'll agree with you that like, I feel like there, there are some pieces where people are like, oh, it made it great. It was this, it was, it's so popular in this art form. Obviously we can put it, we can put it into a different, yeah. version and it's like it it's like when we talked about um the coldest city with atomic wand mm-hmm. where it's just like the the similar the well not even that i'm just even thinking like snowpiercer mm-hmm. the book yeah. and the movie are totally different yeah and and it's 
and one does a really good job of one of this one thing, but they had, they changed it so significantly mm-hmm. that it kind of worked. But even with this, it, it sounds like they changed it quite a bit as well. I don't think um, that's they changed it quite. I mean, I don't, I have to say it, but it sounds like they took it too literally is what I think. Yeah. The problem right. Let, let the metaphor stay there. And yeah. yeah. It kind of sounds like a fucked up version of Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. Which honestly, if you wa- if you look at the movie poster, Adam, it look it reminds. Oh, I looked. Me of, I looked it yeah. up. It really it, it looks like it, uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Like it it really does have that that kind of same. Well, feeling. and it's got the little tagline of "Talk to the girl and save the world." I'm like that's nothing. The fuck, what this book was about? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's gonna piss me off if I watch it now. <laughs> so it is. I can just tell by looking at it. Fuck yeah. this movie. Yeah, it's well, and I just just reading the premise, I was like, I didn't. I mean, not to sit here and say that like an the alien thing didn't come out from that, but mm-hmm. I just feel like this this went to like. Well, Adam even said it. You know, save save the universe, whatever. All I keep hearing is heroes. You know, mm-hmm. save the cheerleaders. I, I thought that world. too just now. I was like, what the fuck. <laughs> That's the piece of it that just seems like I don't know. I mean, it's it's a short story, but it, the fact that all of us seem to have a different viewpoint of it, I think that's the high, that's like the 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 awesomeness that is Neil Gaiman is that like right. have, there are different ways that everybody sees and reads what he writes and mm-hmm. and the yeah. awesomeness of that of of his art is that, you know, you read into it, what you want to read into it and how, what your experiences kind of feed into it. And this movie looks like it took the most literal part of it. And then just ran with that Plus, one part. And that but isn't it. that the most Hollywood fucking thing you ever heard of? Of like, <laughs> Oh, look, here's a metaphor for something. Let's go with literal. Yeah. And here's the thing is, is John Cameron Mitchell always has been about like doing the abstract and everything else. But at the same time, and I know Todd's not a fan of it. Like, Hedvig was his one-off. He is not a good filmmaker. Like he did short bus and short bus is a piece of shit. Yeah, no, that's, so. I, I unfortunately agree with you. I feel like he had lightning in a bottle. He had Hedwig, but also like, if you look at it, he did it as a stage production stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing by the way. Well, yeah, but stage productions are a collaborative art form. Naturally. That's what it is. So you have time to work that out. Film is not always as collaborative. Like, as a director, you're kind of in the hot seat and you're expected to carry a lot of that vision. I'm not saying he's a bad artist, but I feel like he might be more of a collaborative artist than he's given the opportunity to be as a filmmaker. That's my weird little side note. I yeah, he's, he just reminds me of Ryan Murphy, where he can, he can land one thing, but then he can't land the rest. Okay, now I'm going to argue with you about this. What's the thing that Mur- Ryan Murphy landed? I'm just curious. He lands, like, every other season of American Horror Story. Okay, that I'll agree with. Like, Well, except for... The last couple have been horseshit, but yeah, but no, like, that, that's kind of, we, we call it the Ryan Murphy syndrome where it's like, oh, this is so good. And then the next season is kind of like, eh. well, I kind of so. feel that way about Tim Burton too. Like every other live action movie has been good for the last little while. It's like one will be good. And then the next one will be going, eh, and then it'll be, oh, this is good. What was the last uh, Tim Burton movie you liked? Batman. Giant Eyes. done many recently. Oh yeah, Giant Eyes was Or good. Big Eyes or whatever it is. Big I like eyes. Big Eyes. <laughs> Batman Ray? Returns. There you go. Uh, that was, that was, I mean, yeah. I mean, I have a tattoo from from Batman nineteen eighty nine, which is still has a firm from place in my heart. Um, I've got well, one too. I mean, I was a huge Tim Burton fan, but yeah, really, how? Eh, eh. Well, and I went to his exhibit at LACMA. They had several years ago, and like uh-huh. some cool stuff there. But like, yeah, like Corpse Bride was okay, but not great. I mean, I think th- I'm. I, this is blasphemous, and I'm going to have people yell at me for this. But like, I. I think that Nightmare for Christmas is okay. I don't think it's as it's brilliant. It's overrated. The, oh, I agree. The first half, the first quarter of the movie is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then it just like goes off the deep end where you just get bored. And, then, and then by the time it ends, you're just like... Mm. Yeah. So he kind of went off the rails after Sleepy Hollow because I'm looking at his filmography. So Planet of the Apes... Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't good. Big Fish actually is my favorite movie he did. Oh, I, I like love Big Fish. Big Fish is fun. I, uh, I did Charlie that musical a couple years ago, actually. I really, actually, I really do want to watch that musical. Corpse Bride, I was on. I yeah. actually like Sweeney Todd. I know I'm kind of in the minority with that, yeah. but I had fun with it. It's not my favorite Sondheim musical either, so maybe that's yeah. why I'm like, eh. and you know what the problem is? Half of these movies that you're listing is Johnny Depp, and I'm so sick of him. And that's, that's why I think I've that's been fair. so like anti-Tim Burton lately, too, is that like, 
find somebody else, anybody else. I mean, and he's so many actors that can he's loyal to a fault better. potentially, you know. But well, he just dropped out of uh, of uh, what's it called, the Fantastic, Fantastic Beast series. And you're looking at having Mads Mikkelsen, Mads Mikkelsen which I support 100 because I love hey, that man. Here's the thing: is I he love Mads Mikkelsen. Joe Polar. Yeah, but like, here's the thing: I love Mad Mik- Mads Mikkelsen, but after all this latest shit, I'm surprised that that series is even going forward at all. You know what I mean? There's too like, much money behind it. I know there is, but still, with like the the J.K. Rowling shit, and then the guy from um, Flash, all that shit. Um, uh-huh. The guy who Flash played Flash, Flash. He was in. Uh, do you remember? Do you see Perks of Being a Wallflower? Yes. Yep. The gay brother who played the Flash. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, what's Ezra his Miller? Ezra, Ezra Miller. He yeah. said some sh- controversial shit too. I don't remember what it was. I just heard that he said some controversial. He also shit. choked a woman. That's what it was. He's a, yeah. he's a douchebag. Yeah. He choked a woman. Well, first in, like, off, Oswald. this was my issue with DC to begin with. Is Marvel? This has been my. This is something Tori and I have talked about when it comes yeah. to DC and Marvel across the board. Is that Marvel looks at everything and says, "How do we fit everything together?" Mm-hmm. They have all the movies, and then they had. Then they had the. Uh, Whatever the hell show, I forget what the hell it was called. But they had Agent Carter, and they had mm-hmm. um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and everything fit together, right? Yeah. Everything fits together. You have three extremely popular, doing really, really well shows on the CW. And I get that it's like a teeny bopper mm-hmm. panel. but Making money. But it's making a ton of money, and it's and they they ended up moving Supergirl from CBS to the CW because everyone was no one watched it on CBS. Everyone wanted, was watching everything else on the CW. Mm-hmm. They have Legends of Tomorrow, I think, was the mm-hmm. other one. Yeah. I mean, I know that Arrow just ended, but they come out with with Justice League, and then they recast Flash, and it's like wow. and, and I love the guy who plays Flash in the TV series. I thought he's amazing at it. Yeah. He's and yeah, everyone loves him and it's like you've already you already have a backing you have fans that are die hard fans of this show and of everybody that's on this and then you go into the movies and it's somebody totally different and it's like why would you do that you know what i think the problem studio is studio fuckery well yeah, no i this it, is what i think it is i think it's an antiquated thought process because I think most people who grew up in our generation who are used to streaming things, we don't see the CW as a lesser than. You know what I mean? It's just a service that gives us a show that we like. I don't give a fuck if it's on HBO or if it's on Netflix or if it's whatever. Mm -hmm. If it's a good show, it's a good show. And I think most people of our generation and beyond, or at least younger, view it the same way. And I think you have executives who say, oh, that's CW. That's our sort of little throwaway thing. It's like, no, no, no. That fucker's making you money. That fucker... and And television is in its golden age. I don't think anyone would mm-hmm. argue with that. And so it's like, that's where you need to, like, movies are fucking dying. You need to pull from the popular films to keep movies alive. So wait, let me see if I get this straight. So you're saying old white guys are fucking up more than our country. Yes, absolutely, 100%. Okay. But, like, that shouldn't be a shock to anyone at this point in time. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so what did we grade this book? See, Adam's one keeping us on track. And my bottle of wine isn't even finished yet, so whatever. Oh anyway... Uh, I won't finish it. No, maybe I'll finish it. Yes, you will. Adam, what is your grade? Uh, I, I'm going to go with an A. You know, I, I I was kind of reading it, and, you know, again, I sat down to poo, and I thought, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I'll, I'll take a long poo so I can read this whole book. And I was like, oh, five minutes later, it's over with. And I'm very confused. And then, <laughs> yeah, I'm still confused. I still don't know what it's about. But I think Todd brought up the most, one of the most interesting points of this whole conversation we've had is that, the reason why this is a slice of life book isn't because of the book itself. It's how you interpret it mm-hmm. because you're going to bring in your own individual personalized stories and feelings to how you react to this and what you think it's about and what could be more slice of life than how you view your own life. So yeah, Hey, I, I liked it a lot and I do now want to go read it again and still not understand it because I don't, yeah. but it's something that I, 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 yeah. I did like it the whole time. I was very conflicted about it. And then I was like, I, I, did I take acid and forget or what happened here? But no, I, I think <laughs> it's, it's something that you read and then you have your therapist read it. And then you tell your therapist what you thought about it and let them judge you. So, well, okay. So I'm going to go with my grade a little bit early. I'm going to go with an A as well, but like just latching on to what you said, Adam, I think part of what also makes a slice of life is the idea that this is sort of a semi universal experience. It's not necessarily always like, men growing up to be able to talk to women, but it's 
people just knowing how to talk to or being intimidated to talk to whoever they're attracted to. Um, or just or people not, in general. Yeah, people you know? in general not feeling confident in your own skin that whole nine yards. I feel like that's a universal experience and that's what makes it a slice of life. So I, I think adding on to everything you said, I just want to add on that little caveat. Uh, Mr. Todd, what is your grade? I'm going to go ahead and give this a, a minus. It's, um, and the reason why I'm giving it an A minus is, is it perfect? I'm not sure it's perfect, but it's sure, yeah, maybe it is an A. And the, the reason for it is it, it's short, it's quick, it has you questioning your own experience. Mm-hmm. And what's so interesting, it's not the author putting his experience upon you, you putting your experience upon the story. And I think that is, um, that is a uh, quite something to pull off. The art was fantastic and perfectly weird that went along right with it, too. And it is um, charming and awkward and bizarre. And hopefully everyone's puberty is something like that. Charming, awkward, and bizarre. <laughs> with, aliens. with aliens. Right? Well, don't we all feel like aliens going, what's happening here? True. Okay, Madam President, what is your grade? Uh, I'm going to go with A. I mean, it's strange. Don't get me wrong. But again, sure. it's, it's Neil Gaiman strange. So uh, if you... That's right. It's Neil. It's Neil. I mean, and it's, I think that's why I, I, you know, we all had a different interpretation, but it, it's really, I mean, it, it's 66 pages, I think, the, mm-hmm. the graphic yeah, huh? novel. Like, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be a short one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that we've had a longer conversation about this than some other books that we've read that are much longer, um, mm-hmm. I think is a testament to how well done it was. I think also the, the Neil Gaiman thing is like, there's sometimes weird just to be weird. And there's sometimes weird with a purpose. And I think yeah. Gaiman specializes in weird deliberately on with a purpose and a logical yeah. good purpose at that. You know, oh, can he, can he teach that to Wes Anderson? Cause sometimes Wes oh, Anderson God. is just Wes no, Anderson. No. Wes, Wes Anderson is quirky, not weird. He's quirky. He's un, un, like unnaturally quirky. It's like Zoe Deschanel and New Girl. It's like, hey, you're being adorkable just to be adorkable. Stop. Hold up, hold up, hold up. It's Zoe Deschanel and fucking everything. Just gonna put that out there. Yeah. I'm gonna give you your money back for that pop and keep it. Oh, for you that? agree with me? Never mind. No, you agree with me. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. I I'm expanding. Yes. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. If we're comparing, let's see. Um, I still have. Ah, I got a good portion of the bottle left. I'm doing pretty I good. Have this. This was 128.4 proof. Oh, jeez. I'm still pissed off at Kraken uh, Rum because, like, if you bought a bottle of Kraken Rum mm-hmm. and submitted Ugh. the receipt, they would send you this really cool glass shot holder of like an octopus. Oh, really? This. And then I went and bought some, and then I went to go load my receipt, and I was like, "We're sorry, we're out of these." I'm like, "Fuck you!" Wrap. Well, up. I don't even like Kraken Rum either. It's, it's not that great. With you. No, I just wanted it's the free disgusting. shot holder. Disgusting. It's yeah, not it good. So, anyway, moving just drink your on. Sailor Jerry's. Or yes. no, I would say. Oh no, and Sailor Jerry's is no. Uh, I would say uh, Sailor George. Sailor George. What is, is better, Sailor actually. George? It's a smaller. Yeah. It's a smaller batch. They do a few different things. They direct sell to uh, Total Wine out here. They're really good, actually. I okay. Well, I can get Sailor Jerry's in my uh, God-filled state. Here's the thing: my oh. God-filled state and God-filled heart will bring you good rum and edibles. I like being God-filled, but his name is Clark. Oh, you called Clark a god. Um, I've seen his dick in your ass. John, because you're filled. Um, I have Instagram. I have. Anyway, sorry. What was you saying? You've seen his ass. (laughs) (laughs) You saw my head covering his dick. (laughs) That is still the one that makes my buddy Joey laugh his ass off because he was like just going through Instagram and saw it, and he's like, "Oh, this is the greatest thing." I didn't want to see that much of Clark, but this is amazing. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. That will probably do it for this week. Next week, we're doing Adulthood is a Myth, which is uh, Sarah Scribble's books, which is, I've I've seen many of these sent to me by various people saying, I feel very seen right now. So this is going to be very amusing and it'll be fun. Uh, Next month is Black History Month. So um, I want to go over those books for you in case you guys want to. Actually, I'd recommend at least two of these because I've read them. Uh, Yeah, uh, for you to uh, get beforehand. But we are doing March book two, which we did March book one last year. John, Senator John, what's his last name? I'm blanking. 
Lewis, thank you very much. It's his the second book of his autobiography. Uh, they did three books as a, uh, a graphic novel series. Um, we're doing book two of that. Uh, then we're going to do Strange Fruit, which um, had hit a bunch of lists that we were looking at. And Harlem Hellfighters, which I'm excited about because it's that was also... my idea. I contributed. Uh, yes, Adam contributed to that one. Um, uh, that one is about a, uh, a black uh, uh, fighter squadron uh, in World War II, I believe, uh, written by Mel Brooks's son, Max Brooks, which is pretty exciting. Um, and then uh, the fourth one is an addition that I added called The Silence of Our Friends. It's the same uh, illustrator as March Book Two. Um, and then just a heads up, in March we're looking at doing female antiheroes. And we have a brief bit of a list, but we will secure that down and then we will probably all buy them yeah. ourselves. And then also um, for, for Black History Month, since you know uh, we do kind of... Uh, we should be sponsored by Comicsology for for recommending things. The majority, <laughs> yeah, the majority of those books, uh, you do have to buy in in paper, like analog format, oh, okay. because they're not on. Like, I, I when we started talking about this uh, two months ago, when we were deciding yeah. the books, I had to hop on Amazon. And I actually, they're they're all pretty inexpensive, but I had to buy most yeah. of them uh, in paperback. So yeah, I mean, so if you want to read along, just you know, in advance, no, you should order these. So. I will say they're far easier to find online. And in comic book, an stores. Indigenous People's Month. <laughs> oh my god! Like I loved it. I was happy we did it, but those books were fucking hard to hunt down. Um, so anyway, great. Anybody else have anything else to add? No. Awesome. Thank you much, uh, everybody. Um, uh, yeah, join us next week for Adult is a Myth, and uh, we will see you all later. Bye. Bye.